Hey guys, this is Jay Randall Ori with uh, Construction Monk Podcast. Today, we are visiting with a friend who's been on before, but we actually, um, I've been doing this once a month, but last month it didn't happen. So today we'll be talking with Richard Lewis. I call him the other Richard, <laughs> not Richard Rohr, but Richard Lewis. Um, so we've become good friends, I suppose, over the last eight months or so. But let's say hello to Richard. Hey, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me back. It's always fun to talk to you. Yeah. So if if it's if you guys have not heard any of these by chance, we're going through a book that Richard has written called Sitting with God. I think it's called, is it A Journey to Your True Self? Yes, A Journey to Your True Self, True Centering Prayer is the subtitle. True Centering Prayer, right. So we are actually going to be going through chapters 7 and 8 today, but... Um, Richard, why don't, before we jump into the book, why don't you just catch us up on what you've been doing uh, with the book and, and teaching, uh, reaching out to other people with, with your centering prayer expertise? Sure, sure. Um, obviously, the, the book came out in August of last year, but you know, books really have a lifetime of forever. Yeah. Um, so it's important just to get out there and share your book with, who, uh, with everybody and in case it can help somebody. But I guess what I've been focusing on, I've been doing a lot of podcast interviews such as this. Um, so, and, and it's a lot of fun speaking to a lot of different uh, hosts. So I've been doing a, a ton of podcasts and I probably have about um, at least 20 scheduled in the future. So that I think that's a great thing. So a lot of that. And then, and then I've been doing um, speaking in front of groups, whether it's centering prayer groups or spiritual director groups, or pastors of, of a churches in a certain area. So I've been doing some guest speaking as well. And, and the neat part is all this is, you know, via Zoom, via Zoom, actually. I, I don't have to leave the confines of my home. I'm doing it all um, from the little office in our house. So I've been focusing a lot on podcasts and, and guest speaking, um, just to share and continue sharing the book. Yeah, you're... and centering and centering prayer, of course, which is you know, the purpose of the book is to share centering prayer mm-hmm. and help people discover their true self. Hey, you're traveling all over the country from your own home. <laughs> I am, I am, because uh, you know, uh, two weeks ago I spoke to a group in San Diego, California. Huh. Last week I spoke to a group. Um, based in Canada, so you're you're right. I've been traveling all over the place from my <laughs> home in Pennsylvania. Uh, such is the world right now that we live in. Right. Uh, before we go any further, I, I forgot to mention I am sitting out in the woods, but I'm on, under a kind of a metal roof shelter, so you might hear. It always shows up in the recording like popping, but just letting my listeners know I'm I'm out today, but I had to take some shelter because of the rain. So that'll probably just show up in the background. Just letting people know. Um, you know, something... Well, the, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, the rain will soothe people. Because I, I know when we've done these, I'll, I'll hear birds in the background. So maybe I'll hear the sounds of the rain in the background, which is not a bad sound to listen to either. No, I do. I really like recording in the woods for lots of reasons. But partly what you've mentioned, the the noise is soothing to me and... Um, I think it's a good backdrop for for conversations about getting in tune with God. I think nature is a pretty good setting, so for sure. 
I just wanted you to to mention real quick too. You've been doing a Saturday uh, Facebook, not a class, I guess, but a discussion group for your book, right? Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. So yes, I can't believe I forgot to say that as okay. well. Um, I I've been doing every Saturday via Zoom um, from one to two Eastern time a book study and just going chapter by chapter through my book. So yesterday was chapter six. So I've done six of these now, and then next Saturday will be chapter seven. And it's just I advertise it to my subscribers. I advertise it on social media. And whoever wants to come join can listen to, and it's not me lecturing with people. It's, it's basically I'll share key points from that chapter. I'll go a little bit beyond the chapter. And then I sort of pause and, and let people react or let people ask questions or let people comment. And then at the end of each chapter, I have questions for reflection and answer. And I will pull them out and I'll ask, ask the question I'll answer it for myself, and then I'll open it up to anybody that wants to share. So it's really become a nice, fun one-hour time of just people talking and sharing where they are on their own journey. So it's been a whole lot of fun. So next week will be Chapter 7. I have 14 chapters, so I have that many that I'll do. And then I'll probably keep doing something because it's really been a whole lot of fun, and and people are coming, and we're just having a, a nice time actually a nice conversation i'm learning a lot from other people as well yeah it seems like from what you've told me every week the numbers grow so that's neat yeah we had uh i think 11 people um yesterday and and people from all over the place and i have people um from i think there's a whole group of people from new york but i had someone join from the west coast and then i have most weeks uh, a monk from the Netherlands joins. He's actually living full-time in a monastery in the Netherlands, and mm. he came yesterday as well. His name is Brother Columba. He joined us yesterday, and he, he tries to come as much as possible. So it's kind of a neat group of people. That is neat to have a, mon- a monastic, a real live monk, uh, and their perspective in that conversation must be really helpful. It is, it is, and he's very honest and, and shares his own struggles. He's a human just like the rest of us, so he's mm-hmm. genuine and shares his own questions and his own struggles um, as he moves forward in life. Yeah, I've, I've had this myself and I've talked to other people. Sometimes there is a certain romanticism about monastery life. I think we in the normal world think, man, it must be easier to know God in a monastery, <laughs> but you don't stop being human in a different place, in a building that is, you know, whether it's a monastery or a church, right? Everybody's human, everybody struggles, so. No, they do, and then, and then you know, I had mentioned probably in previous session, uh, podcast, you know, I do coaching, and I've had some coaching some of my coaching clients are priests or clergy or pastors Mm -hmm. and they struggle just like the rest of us um, Mm -hmm. with life and with prayer and and with self-care so they're 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 human beings and i guess we might put them up on a pedestal and think they're superhuman superhuman beings but they're not they're human just like the rest of us and and need help and need people to talk to and listen to them and need to take the time for self-care or forget to take the time for self-care because Mm -hmm. they're so busy in their ministry Yeah, I think it's a testament to the fact that we all need to walk with others on the journey. We need need to be discipling others, but also discipled 
by others, and it's uh, always a give and take. Right, exactly. I mean, that's why we're doing this, you and I, in this conversation and, and just our friendship, and it's why you write, it's why I write. It's like we all, we recognize we need to be doing this spiritual thing, spirituality thing together with other people on the same journey. We do, we do. I mean, we all help each other, and we're all at different places, so we, mm. we all can help each other and support each other and encourage each other. Yeah, I'll, I'll mention this, and then we'll get to chapter 7, but, you know, I like, we talk about in the Christian tradition that Jesus tore the veil, the dividing barrier between God and us, but he also called us a, king, a kingdom of priests. There's no longer a priestly class or a class of special people who have a special relationship with God that nobody else does or can. We're all called to be a to be priests. Uh, you know, in a sense, he didn't, Jesus didn't de-elevate the priestly class. He elevated the laity class. <laughs> We're all priests. Right. No, I mean, right. I mean, the kingdom of God is within us. I mean, yeah. that's kind of the big, big change is it's within us and we don't have to go mm-hmm. to a specialist, so to speak. The, yeah. the kingdom of God is within us and we simply look to need to take the time just to quiet ourselves and look within. Hey, that's a really good segue to <laughs> silent prayer. <laughs> I love it. it we try to do that, but you're right. <laughs> we, we usually get there organically. I love that. So uh, chapter 7, I think this title and this subject is challenging. And so I'll read, chapter 7 is called, I Am a Divine Being. And we'll, I'll just read the first quote is, is Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, or 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Um, So I I remember there was another quote Jesus said. Isn't it true that scripture actually calls all of us gods? He's being challenged by the Pharisees when he says um, he's the son of man or he says I and the father are one. And they call it blasphemy and he says, well, doesn't even your scripture say we're all like God, in a sense, divine beings. So uh, Jesus affirms this idea, but I think some people might, to some people, that might sound almost sacrilegious. So, so maybe you can start off by explaining what, what are you trying to talk about here in chapter 7? Sure. Um, no, I, 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 and first thing I'm not implying is that I am God. So, mm-hmm. so when people hear I'm a divine being, it, it can turn people off or scare people but I'm not saying I'm God by any means at all. I'm simply saying, uh, I'm, and maybe I think I might say this further in the chapter somewhere or in the book. No, I'm small D. I'm little D. You know, God is within me. Um, I'm little D connecting with big D. Mm-hmm. So I want to make that clear is, is I am not God by any means at all, and I don't claim to be God. I simply know that the image of God is within me. My, uh, the tr- my true self is within me, which I'm trying to, to seek. Mm-hmm. But I'm not God by any means at all. Yeah, I like that. Um, uh, the phrase I've heard is imago Dei, which just means image of God. But it's it's fun when things are in Latin. It just means more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, imago Dei. We were made in the image of God. So what does that mean, right? That's what we're talking about. Right, right. Um, and that's... One of the main reasons why I practice centering prayer because I slow myself down and, and connect to 
say my inner divinity, again, meaning to connect to the God within me. So that's why centering prayer is such an important practice for me, is it slows me down, helps me let go of all my thoughts and emotions that maybe tell me things that aren't true or that are harmful to myself, and helps me connect to my true self, which really is the person God wants me to be. I mean, God wants me to take, you know, loving, compassionate, or maybe leading and guiding actions in the world. So that's who I, my true self is, I think, who God wants me to be and how God wants me to help help people and do things out in the world that are, you know, helpful for me and helpful for others. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in serving others, I mean, really, just, just to help and, and I, just to not be afraid to, to do the unique gifts that are in, that are within me because they'll help other people so i think when we are afraid to do to become our true self it has actually it harms the world in that they never get to see it so they never get the benefit from it mm-hmm. i'm wondering or i'm thinking about how paul talked about our two natures you know we, he talked about this battle between the fleshly nature and the spiritual nature and i think you're pointing to the fact that we have in us a spiritual nature because we were created by god who is spirit and yet so it's almost uh, we're trying to uncover something that's already there, right? Right. It's 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 already there, but covered up, covered over by other things that I guess need to get out of the way. Covered over by our mm-hmm. you know, lack of confidence or, or fear to do something, or maybe we wanted to do something as as a child, but parents or friends or family told us no, you can't do that, or that's not the right thing to do. So I think our true self is there waiting to come out. It's just mm-hmm. we got to remove everything that's lying on top of it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I grew up in a church that, or in a Christianity that taught I had to get something I didn't have in, in becoming a Christian and coming to God. But I think what I've learned is that it's not something that I don't have, but something I already have, but I don't realize I have it. Right, right. It's not, we're all seeking, seeking outside when it's all within. Yeah. I think it's... Ironically a, or paradoxically, it's, it's yeah. every, it, what we need is within and has always been there, yet we might go seeking outwardly looking for it when it's always when it's an inner journey not really an outer journey yeah i think it's a matter of focus it's a matter of um what's truly what the what the true or core problem is you could say or dysfunction and how it can be solved and um i'm just i guess i'm i'm having trouble uh putting my finger on it but i think there's a big difference between going out or going in and seeking something that we don't have versus something that's already in us but lost so maybe you you maybe you could do a better job kind of describing the difference sure i mean i guess you do you really do an inner journey first and then you do an outer journey so to speak Mm -hmm. so you know i'm sitting in silence and figuring out who is my true self what should i be doing and then when I get up from my silent sits, I'm taking action, which becomes the outer journey. So the inner journey helps me discern 
what I need to be doing and, and what and what actions I need to be taking. So they kind of, they they really work together. I think your best outer journey is first an inner journey of, of discerning you know, what should I do, what what, is, what does God want me to do, who's my true self, and what actions can I take. So you sit in silence to let go of things that aren't going to be helpful and, and let God pray in you. Then you mm-hmm. get up from your sits and take actions on which are your true step actions i I guess i'll call it so i don't know if if that helps you're doing an inner journey to discern Mm -hmm. what who is my true self and then your outer journey or what are your true self actions that you can take in the world yeah in the in the first in chapter seven there's a section you have called entitled god is within me and you write this all actually yeah all we need to do to be saved is to consciously realize who we have been all along. We need to realize our divinity, own it, take up the responsibility of it, and live it. Actually, there's quotes there. I don't know. Oh, Jim Mer- Mer- Marion. It's a quote right. from Jim Marion. Sorry. That's okay. It's a quote from his from his book um, called "Putting on the Mind of Christ: yes. The Inner Work of Christian Spirit Spirituality." Yeah, I, I think. I think we're getting to it. Um, I think sometimes the external Christianity is something I have to do and a truth I have to acquire. We could call it acquirement. I have to get something more. I don't have something. I need to get something. I need to do something. But what we're talking about is there's nothing you need to get. There's actually things you need to get rid of, the false self that's covered over. And I, I think it's part of the lie that we aren't gods, that we aren't made in God's image. And so... You could say Satan has tried to trick us into believing we're something we're not, and that we are that we aren't something we are. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, practically speaking, we didn't stop being created by God when we fell. We just forgot. So I think it, it's a forgetting, not a true losing. Agree. I mean, I agree, and that's kind of what nicely what the quote says. All we need to do to be saved is to consciously realize who we have been all along. We need to realize our divinity, own it, take up the responsibility of it, mm-hmm. and live it. So we just need to, and and that's for me, centering prayer, mm-hmm. silence, and other people will find their own path to it. But mm-hmm. that connects me to my divinity, my true self, so that I can then own it and then take the responsibility of it and live it. Which mm-hmm. I'll, actually the quote is kind of summarizing what I've, I guess have been saying over the last few minutes, where I'm going mm-hmm. within finding my true self, taking ownership of it and responsibility of it, and then living it, taking the true step actions in, in the world. Yeah, I think inner transformation leads to outer... Um, uh, inner transformation leads to outer... Um, action, you could say, but um, and I, I think I like this this section too. A, a few pages or so later, you talk about the stages of prayer, and so we're talking about getting in tune with God in a way that helps us be more in tune with ourselves. Uh, like how, that's how you begin to do this uh, journey of going in and self discovery. But I liked the three stages of prayer that you mention. One is we speak, God listens. Two is God speaks, we listen. And three is no one speaks, both listen. I really like that last one. 
I like all of them. I think we all do one very well. Number two, I, I think that's where we struggle. And number three, we hardly ever get there. Right. <laughs> and that's, and I, and this, and I pulled this out of the, it's probably, it's the, uh, if you see the footnote in there, so it's Erwin Bordeaux, if I'm yes. not even saying his name right, yeah. wrote a, he had a, he has a really nice blog post. He's actually, I believe he's a Methodist pastor. And I just, was reading his blog, you know, many years ago, and it was titled "Finding Your Inner Room," and I just thought it was so mm. neat the way he presented that. So it, it landed in my book. But no, I, I love the last part. You know, no one speaks, both listen, which is almost like a paradox. I mean, that's what I'm doing in Center of Prayers. I'm letting go and opening to the presence and actions of God within. And I mean, that really is what's happening. Is I'm not mm-hmm. speaking. God isn't speaking. I guess it's really going beyond words. It's at a, it's at a deep level where I'm just sitting and mm-hmm. resting in the rest in the rest of God. I guess I'm not hearing an audible voice, but I I guess I believe God's praying in me. So, mm-hmm. but that may not necessarily be speaking. It could mean I'm not sure what it means. So I, I actually that one I'm not sure what no one speaks both listen means. Well, <laughs> it's, it's hard. But it's just resting, resting yeah. in the rest of God and yeah. connecting to my true self, um, actually. <laughs> there are lots of things that are, can be communicated without speaking. Body right, language, right. I think presence, we've talked about this before, but presence is something more than words, but it's still communicating things. Um, I, 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 I go into, uh, I describe this as, as spiritual energy, but we have a sense of things beyond words and more conscious um, communication or realization. We have a sense of things. This is the mystery of God and the universe, I think, that we can have a sense of things beyond what makes sense to us even sometimes. Um, this is the mystery of God. This is the mystical aspect of God and, and Christianity. But um, when we're in someone's presence, and, and this is, you know, I like marriage as an example, but you can spend time with your husband or wife in the same room together and really, without even saying a word, but just moving together, moving in a room in a space, and it's, there's still a presence to, there's a felt presence to your loved one, and there's a love that is just them being with you. So, and actually, I'm, I'm looking back in the book here. So then the fourth stage, so no, there's the third stage, no one speaks, uh-huh. both listen. And then the fourth stage, and maybe you said it, I apologize if you said it, that's where it's no one speaks, no one listens. And that's resting in God. So yeah, I, I forgot I, that no it, one it was, speaks, no one listens, yeah. So that, that, that's, which that's really, you know, okay. that's what contemplative, so it's, so it's we speak, God listens, God speaks, we listen, no one speaks, both listen. And then right. the fourth stage, fourth stage, which is, is a neat way of saying it, is no one speaks, no one listens, and I'm and I'm resting in God. Yeah, you know when I read that, uh, as I was going back over my notes, I I almost took that as the uh, antithesis of prayer. Like nobody's speaking, nobody's listening, and so nothing's going on. But now I realize that's what I was describing when you're in the room with somebody. No one's speaking, no one's listening, but you're still enjoying the presence of a person that loves you, and their love is still present. <laughs> That's really cool. Right. No, 
that's exactly what you were you were yeah you were explaining. So no, agree, agree. Um, but this this goes into the idea of I think true self, false self, and it has partly to do with what we listen to, and I I, I don't want to sound um, cynical, but I think there's a form of Christianity that's built more around the lie that Satan told us. Uh, that we didn't have God, right? If you think about the fall, Satan came to Adam and Eve and basically tried to convince them that they could get God. You, you, he said you could be like God. Well, it, implied in that statement is you're not yet like God. And so I think there is a form of Christianity. Maybe it's just an immature stance in our Christianity where we think that we need to get something. We think we aren't something, and that's the false self or even a false idea of ourselves. Like, sometimes maybe our Christianity could be the fact that we don't believe God does love us. We don't believe we already have God. And so the the lie leads us to try to get something we already have, but then it actually keeps us from having the thing itself as well. Right. I mean, we 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 already have it. We just don't yeah. realize it. And that's, I know I keep saying this, but that's what, you know, it's any type of contemplative practice can do it, it can get all of your thoughts that aren't helping you out of the way mm-hmm. until you realize i already have it it's, it's and i've had it all along i just never realized it i never slowed down to realize it yeah i i think that's that's really it we we start to like you said slow down we start to pay attention to the voices that are speaking to us we're trying to discern God's speaking from other voices could be the world, could be our own broken way of thinking, could be uh, the enemy. But there are multiple voices, narratives, and we're trying to discern God's. The more we do that, the more we hear what is true about us and God. I think that's kind of what we're talking about. Right. I agree. Yeah, I, I like uh, you. You kind of end that section with my job is to rest and to trust. I think rest when when we're when we know who we are and who God is, then we are at rest. Right? There's nothing we're trying to get to or do, or we don't feel incomplete or lacking. We're just rest. I think is a really good word that the Bible uses a lot to describe um, life with God. What it, what what it is we're, it's supposed to be like, and what we're journeying towards is that rest. Right. And, and sometimes we, we need that rest. It's just really healing and, and refreshing for us um, just to slow down and sit mm-hmm. with God and not do, as we mentioned earlier, you know, we don't need to speak. Mm-hmm. It's nice just to get right to stage four sometimes. It's very healing and, and transforming and, and and helpful for us. We just need to be with God, mm-hmm. um, who's always been with us anyhow. So it's nice to maybe even just throughout the day, take a silent pause of a minute or two and mm-hmm. just rest with God. We don't need to say anything. We don't need to do anything. We just need to remember that God is always with us within and has, has never left us. And we don't need to search for God. God is right mm-hmm. there with us. Yes, I think... Part of this, and something it's, it may be foreign to a lot of listeners, is it's not about good ideas. It's not about good actions. It's about 
a relationship and a participation with God. Um, it's a way of knowing God that is, it does come from within, but it's deep. Um, it's a deep knowing of God beyond knowing of ideas or truths or theology. Um, I think it takes a long time to get there. It's a journey. But I think it is what we're meant to be journeying towards. Jesus called it oneness or abiding, God dwelling in us, us dwelling in God. Right, and we just need to trust the process and and try it. So it's not try it on a daily basis and see what it does to you and how, and how it does heal you and transform you. So it, because it, it doesn't perhaps initially make sense or, or mm-hmm. you, you, or you want an instant fruit or an instant reaction, then it's something you just need to continuously show up on a daily basis and, and try this way of prayer in addition to your other ways you might pray. So just keep showing up and trust God and, and let God, help God reveal more and more of God to you through this daily walk, I'll call it, you know, daily time that you take. Yeah, you write this, I think this help would help or be helpful explaining this idea, but you write, when I have known deep relaxation and presence, capital P, in centering prayer, I am more capable of relaxing and letting my guard down with my friends and family. I just think the Western mind we don't quite understand being as much, and we're talking about being with people, being with God. Just, I, uh, I think that can be a little foreign to us. But I think you're talking about that here, being in the presence and being more present to God ourselves and others. Right. I mean, it, it just helps us be with life and and. and just trying to think how to say this um just when you're sitting with god and just being with god it helps you just be with life and all of its ups and downs so Mm -hmm. you know when you're in a particular situation i mean there's many different things that can happen there there could be maybe instant action is needed but maybe or maybe no action is needed and things work themselves out or maybe action is needed but you're not the right person to take the action and someone else is so i think you know just this type of practice can help us better be with life and what needs to happen in that moment. And, and in that mm-hmm. moment, sometimes we just need to listen and, and or in that moment, maybe we do need to take action or in that moment we need to discern. I'm not the right person for the action, even though I think I am. So it just, or maybe nothing, as I said, nothing needs to happen and just needs to enjoy it and it work and it works itself out. So I think every, I think, we're so quick to rush to speak or do things or take an action and, and maybe no, no action is, is needed. Or, uh, I'll give you an example. You know, I, I, I work in the financial services field and I, and I have clients, corporate clients, and sometimes they'll call me and maybe they're complaining about something. And sometimes I don't do anything other than listen, continue to listen to them, acknowledge them, and then they have to figure out how to resolve the thing on their own. Mm-hmm. And then they're thanking me for helping them when I really didn't do anything other than listen. So uh, <laughs> like centering prayer has taught me, I don't need to do anything other than yeah, listen. That's good. Because, and whereas maybe some people would be ready to start. I'm so sorry that happened. Let's figure out how to do this. And instead, 
I just sat there and listened and acknowledged, listened and acknowledged, and then the person figured it out themselves, and the phone call ended. So hmm. you learn what, what's the right action for, for the particular situation. It's not always an instant reaction or instant solution. It's just I, I just was there and listening to them, and they figured mm-hmm. it out themselves. That's a really good explanation of being present to to a person. Um, I think also what we're pointing to is how we think about purpose. I think West the Western mind – and let me read this quote by Tony Jones in your book. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, I don't have page numbers because I'm looking at the Kindle. But this is a quote you have by Tony Jones. It says, The East emphasized that theological insight was gained from mystical experiences with God. The West preferred academic study and intellectual debate. And so East-West, the East is more experiencing God. The West was more trying to understand truth. So that's really presence versus um, information, I would say. You, you could say a relationship versus religion. But I also think it also goes into what we think is the purpose of life. Western Westerners tend to think the purpose is what we do, or we are what we do. We're defined by what we do. And I think what we're talking about is what we do is defined by who we are. And the purpose in life isn't what we do or can do, but it's being present with people, being in relationship. Relationships are the purpose. I think that's part of this too, is just being in relationship with God and others and enjoying those relationships. Right, right. I mean, many times people don't want us to say anything. They just want us to mm-hmm. listen. They're, they're not looking for us to give them a solution. Yeah. Um, so whether it's a spouse or, or a friend and something's heavily weighing on their mind, they're not necessarily asking for your advice and for your mm-hmm. tips. They just want you to be there with them and, and, and listen to them yeah. um, and know and know that you're a friend. Yeah. Because yeah, often in the office, say that was you know the best conversation we had with you, and it, it probably was because you just listened. You didn't <laughs> yeah. decide. You didn't. You didn't judge them, and you didn't give them your tips and your advice. And and then they, and they mm. probably, I guess, if they wanted it, they would have asked. I think they just needed the listening ear. Yeah, I'm trying to think of. The, I don't know if it's the Westminster Catechism or I can't remember, but it's like the end goal of man is to. Um, just enjoy God. Something about I, I'm really butchering that, but you, have, you know what I'm talking about. I think I think so. I think so. It might be the Nicene Creed. I, I'm not really um, caught up on up to date on my creeds, and but it's something to that effect that really man was created to enjoy God, and and vice versa. God, cre- God created man to enjoy fellowship. You know, Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. This is why we were created to just be, to enjoy relationship. And so I think I think centering prayer and our divine, uh, divinely created image of God in us, and all these things speak to who is God. God is a relational flow of three, and God created us to be a part of that relational flow. And so relationship is central, being present. And so we know ourselves more when we're present to God and God draws us into just being present in the world and ourselves with others. Right. And we've, and we've many times gotten away from that because we start creating our own rules for what God wants us to do 
or maybe the church starts telling us what we need to do to, to be connected to God. Um, so yeah. instead of just being, so I guess we were just being with God in, in, in you know, in Genesis, it's just yeah. being with God and enjoying with God and walking with God versus definitions of what is God and, and rules that we need to follow so that we're good followers of God. Yeah, you had that quote from Jones about the Eastern and Western mind, but I think this is what you're talking about too, is the Western mind or um, Western mind is consumed with intellectualism and intellectual or the rational center is problem solution. That's its focus. What's the problem? What's the solution? And a lot of what you're right. talking about is like, when we're listening to people, are we just going, well, here's the problem, here's the solution, when they're just like, well, I just wanted you to listen. <laughs> right, right, because I guess he says the East emphasized the theological insight was gained from mystical experiences with God, mm-hmm. so really just yeah. contemplative prayer. And then the West preferred academic study and intellectual debate, yeah. which is not 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 very deep. And it's not really – that. then that's, that's really not any – it's not really a relationship. It's, it's right. more of an academic study and intellectual debate to figure out who, who God is and what I should be doing versus just being yeah. with God. Yeah, I'll tell you one of the frustrations that I have sometimes with my wife. Um, I don't want to get too personal because I don't want to sleep on the couch. <laughs> but But I'll say to her, like, you know, just – they, when our relationship is not healthy, I can tell you that I start to feel like I'm just there to do, to help get projects done in the house. Like when she's asking me to help around the house, that's fine. But when I feel like we haven't been spending time together, just enjoying our relationship, then the things she's asking me to do can begin to feel, I can begin to feel resentful. I'm like, well, am I just here as your handyman or, you know, helping you do the dishes are we in relationship and just practically speaking if a relationship is only what someone else can do for you that's not a that's not a good relationship so uh and of course when when i recognize that then i recognize my wife and i need to just spend time together and we do and every relationship goes through ups and downs but the same is true with god sometimes we just want god to do stuff for us and god's like man i just want to hang out with you am i just here to to fulfill your wish list or or, or do you really want to have a relationship <laughs> right right yeah. which is you know the the verbal prayer is, is maybe more of us coming to god and complaining mm-hmm. or asking for things yeah and contemplative prayer is is kind of going beyond that and just being yeah. being with god yeah. um which then connects us to our true self and then we maybe what we're asking for isn't really what will make us happy anyhow it's yeah. what we think we need what we think we need so maybe that, that's a nice part about you know contemporary practice is hmm. it can help us satisfy kind of our you know what our inner desires mm-hmm. it, it just helps us connect to god and, and mm-hmm. become our true self and, and the actions we're taking mm-hmm. are what god wants us to do and we'll we will be happy with them Yes, our deeper longings are to be known. So our deeper dysfunction is when we don't feel known and loved. And so that's it. That's what we're talking about is we know we're loved when someone wants to just spend time with us and hang out. And that's true with God. Right, right. Or a lot of times we just might be asking for things and and then maybe 
we've we learn six months later or a year later or many many years later that didn't really satisfy me anyhow so mm-hmm. yeah I know I keep coming back to it, but it can kind of practice and kind of connect us to what do we really want to do and what mm-hmm. things truly are, will be meaningful for us and then will you know, provide benefit for everybody, not just us, but for others. So um, instead of talking all the time and asking, sitting with God will help us uncover really what is our true self, what is our true purpose in life and and what should we be doing or what are the multiple things we should be doing that we just don't take the time to really really figure out huh you know i just i just uh skipped over to chapter eight and as usual you've already jumped to this topic (laughs) chapter eight in your book is who is my true self so i think that's cool we've already journeyed over here but we have about 20 minutes left so i wanted to make sure we spent some time in chapter eight and i liked You start chapter eight with this quote by Parker Palmer, um, which is, I cannot imagine a sadder way to die than with the sense that I never showed up here on earth as as my God-given self. I like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, I love that. And and I think it's important because I I don't want to, I'm 55 and I don't want to be 80 and, and then look back and think, I didn't show up here the way God wanted me to show up. Mm-hmm. And, and some of that, some of it, I think many of us probably, there's many things we want to do and we're just too scared to try them. Mm-hmm. And these were things God wanted us to do. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like, you know, contemplative practice. I think it, it helps us discover who is our true self. And then it helps us realize God is always with us. God is within and God will walk with us on this journey of doing things that maybe scare the heck out of us, but, but we should be doing. Yeah. I think, and we, I think that's the, on the deathbed, I think on many, many people on their deathbed look back and say, I really wish I had tried that because that was something I always wanted to do, but I didn't mm-hmm. guts to do it. But God has been nudging them to do it for 40 or 50 years and they never did it. I was listening to, uh, conversation i think it might have been jordan peterson but he was saying and he's a clinical psychologist but he was saying most people when they get to the end of their life they don't regret the things they regret the most are not the things they did wrong but the things they never did and never tried those are the biggest regrets isn't that interesting right yeah and i agree and i'm so like i'm so glad i found centering prayer Mm-hmm. And maybe I wasn't ready for it. I mean, I've only been practicing it since 2014. But if I, and I wish I'd found it sooner. Maybe I wasn't yeah. ready. But I look at yeah. some of the things I'm doing now that mm-hmm. scared the heck out of me. Like I, I, I public mm-hmm. speaking mm-hmm. scares the heck out of me. Well, I have no problem doing that now and sharing my book and centering prayer with people and coaching people mm-hmm. and just speaking in front of people and not worrying about how I sound and how I how I look. Mm-hmm. So. I'm so glad. That's one thing that the, the practice has done for me. It's given me confidence to get out of my comfort zone and try and do things, even though they scare me, and even though I maybe I don't even know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I just know the next step. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to be on my deathbed and apologizing to God, say I'm so sorry, God, that I didn't do some of the things that you wanted me to do. I, I feel right now that I am doing them, and then I'm going to mm-hmm. continue to kind of push, push keep pushing forward and doing things that scare that scare me like earlier you mentioned you know that i do the weekly book studies 
that scared me. I, I, I always wanted to do it when the book came out, but the idea of it scared me to invite people to Zoom, try to figure out how to use Zoom, try to use a PowerPoint in there if I need to. The idea scared me, and then finally I got over the fear and just did it. Hmm. So, as we were talking about, you know, the, uh, uh, exactly what the quote says, you know, I don't want to die with the sense that I didn't show up here on Earth as my God-given self. So that's why I'm so thrilled that I am practicing Center in Prayer, because I think it's helping me not do what what's this quote is saying. Yeah. And I want to help people do that as well. So that's, yeah. I want to help people not come to the end of their life and feel sad that, oh my gosh, I didn't do what God wanted me to do. I had all these wonderful gifts within, hmm. and I didn't share them with people and benefit people and help people with them. Like, a lot of people missed out on the opportunity because I was afraid to do it. I, I think there are two key characteristics or indicators that we're moving more into our true self that you just mentioned. One is diminishing inhibitions. We feel more free just to do things. We don't feel as much fear. And two is that we're more other-focused. I think both of those you you just mentioned are key characteristics of what it looks like to be growing in, more into our true self. You're right. And, and I, I guess if I think about some of the stuff I'm doing, that's really a lot of the talking I'm doing or the book studies, it's all other focused. So mm -hmm. The book study um, is helping people talk and share their experiences. Mm -hmm. And some of the speaking I've been doing, you know, I was in front of a group clergy and, and helping them realize that they need they need to take care of themselves or they'll burn out. So you're right. It is, it is a lot of it is very other focused and, and helping others. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a section in chapter eight called silence connects us to our true self. We're coming back to silence again, but, um, and you write there, you start out that section with this sentence. I sit in silence to reconnect with my true self. Silence teaches me who I am. I am not the competing interior voices that scream for my attention. I am loved by God. Sometimes during Centurion Prayer, I feel God's exquisite love for me, which makes all the difference. Talk a little bit about how silence teaches us who we are. I, I guess it really, and it's the practice, so the, the, you know, the competing interior voices, as you sit there, the competing interior voices could be, you know, I'm not loved, and then you let go of it. Mm. I am loved, okay. or it could, or it could be, I'm not confident, and you let go of it. You really are confident, and you and you have what you need right now to at least begin and start and do things. Hmm. Um, or it could be, you know, I'm the wrong person for the task, and it's no, you are the right person. I'm too young to try that. No, you're perfect age, or I'm too old. No, you're never too old if you're still alive. To, to. Hmm. So I think I think we're just constantly telling ourselves things that aren't true, and if we let go of them hmm. and just trust ourselves, and that God loves us, and God planted them within you for a reason, and now you need to move forward and, t and take some action. It sounds like silence is the ability to create a blank slate first. First we get quiet in order to, and we get kind of get rid of a lot of the messaging that's been dominating our inner life 
and first we are just silent to see what might come up as we get rid of our old ways of thinking and old messaging, maybe? Right, and, and, and I'm, it's a play on words, too. I mean, silence really is, silence teaches me who I am. Uh-huh. It's God within the silence yeah. teaching me who I am. I mean, I'm really, yeah. so it's obviously the beginning of the sentence, it's the beginning of the sentence, it begins with an S, but, you know, I'm thinking of silence as, as God. God is in the silence. God, mm. um, if I sit in silence with God, I'm going to connect to my true self and become the person God wants me to be. And then, and what I need to do is let go of all these competing interior voices mm-hmm. that are not, not who I am. They're who, they're, they're thoughts of fear and anxiety and worry, but those aren't really who I am. Who, who I am is a human being that God loves, the human being that God has put unique gifts within me and will nudge me to take action, but isn't going to force me to do anything. God's not even going to force me to sit in silence with God. God's just God's very patient. God mm-hmm. has always been a very patient God and is really calling us for a relationship and loving us, but God waits patiently for us. Hmm. I do think it's true that God speaks differently than all other voices and that maybe the silence gives the opportunity it first quiets the other voices um, so that the voice of God can begin to uh, be heard. But I think it does speak to the reality that most other voices are very pushy and loud. Um, They're very compelling, usually in a negative way, though. Like we feel motivated out of fear or desperation. Those are the alternate voices and then God's but God's voice and this is just my experience too God's voice is always calming that's why it's quiet I think we might ask why is God's voice in the silence is because that's just God's nature God is calm quiet patient peaceful right the fruits of the spirit and usually other voices that dominate are just louder pushier but before we hear God's silent quiet voice we have to turn those others off or we won't Right, and, and you could even you could even write them down. You could write down what are the interior voices you're hearing. So you could write down, you know, lack of confidence, anxiety, worry, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And then you could then you could pause for a minute and say, is that true? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is yeah, it really good. true? And is it, or is this just? And is it true? Is it helpful? Mm-hmm. And 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 really realize that it's it's not true mm-hmm. and it's not helpful. And I need to kind of push it aside. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have this quote from Brennan Manning. I think we're talking about the true self. I, I think he helps illuminate this somewhat. Uh, this is the quote. Define yourself as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. That's good. Right. And, and we just need to keep, you know, keep reminding ourselves of that. Yeah, so what you're really saying as we try to enter silence and we're actually maybe, uh, like you're also talking about, we're examining or we're trying to exercise discernment about the voices because sometimes we think God's speaking through something when he's not. But when we look at it in this way, as Brennan suggests, we look at a message. So we think maybe God's telling us we're bad. But then we say, well, is that really what a loving God would say to me? Is this whatever message? Am I, am I inadequate? Am I... And should I be afraid? Should I be desperate? 
when we ask the question, we get into silence, we kind of get some space to look at the voices and we say, is this really God's voice? And the litmus test, as Brennan says, is love. Is, is this really what a loving God would be telling me about myself? Right, right. Yeah. I was looking for the, so yeah, define yourself as one beloved by God. Yeah. This is the true self. Every other identity is an illusion. So you're right. So you, you could think about all the competing interior voices and say, you know, is, is that is that love? Is, is that, and, and the answer is no. So you can mm-hmm. kind of push them aside and then then allow your true self to to emerge and, mm. and, and, and trust trust that that is your true self and then just begin taking you know one step at a time you don't need to know the whole you don't need to know how to get to the end you just need mm-hmm. the next to know the next step yeah I, I like that too um i think a lot of times our own thinking we're, we're planners right we're we scheme and we plan we have goals we have our five five year our one year goals our five year our ten year and um I have found, not that it's wrong to have desires for the future, but I have found the more present I am to God, the less I worry about the future, and the more, I, the more my focus is the next step, like you've said. Like, God tends to not push us out into the future, but he tends to say, well, you know, there's that scripture, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There is this idea that a lamp to your feet is just the next step. Um, right. And there's, I, I do find that to be true. God tends to focus me on the next step because that actually is also more peaceful for me. If I, well, just what is the next step? That's calming. When I'm focused on what's the next 100 steps, that's when I get freaked out and anxious. Right, right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having one year, five year, 10 year sure. goals, but, but you really just need to take a step each day. Uh-huh. And, You'll get there, but and you don't need to know how to get there. You just need to know the, the next step. It's a little more, mm-hmm. I guess, easier on the mind instead of thinking of what are the thousands of things I need to do. You just need to take the next step. Like if you're writing a book, for example, it can be overwhelming to think, oh, my God, i got to have 300 pages written. Yeah. You really just need to write 500 words in one day mm-hmm. and, and then repeat it the next day or repeat it one week later. And then all of a sudden, you do have three, you know, a book of 300 pages and 50,000 words or so. You just need to take the next step. And what's the next step? The next step is just to spend some time writing, mm-hmm. whether it's for one hour or whether you decided I'm going to write 500 words. And when I'm done, I'm done. And then I, I write again in a week or I write again the next day, whatever you decide. So it's, it's, you can kind of simplify the process, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You're speaking my language because we're both writers. <laughs> we, we both are book writers and authors. But, um, you know, I had this – we have about five minutes left, by the way. But I, I'll try to wrap up somewhat with this story. I had this experience with my wife. It was probably about ten years ago. We went – we lived in Chicago for a summer with my brother. I helped him open uh, his UPS store business. And so we were there, and he, she and I went to this big Chicago mall. It was three stories. It was amazing. But So it came time we decided to leave, and I knew exactly how to get back. Because it's a big mall, right? So I knew how to get back to where we needed to go. And so it took us like 30 minutes 
walking. But I, I began to realize my wife and I were just talking and enjoying each other's company. But I'd started to notice when I would turn, she would turn. Like she was just focused on me in our conversation. And when we got to the car, she looked up and she was like, oh, she was surprised. But she was so in, uh, engaged and focused on our conversation and just enjoying being, you know, just enjoying being together. She wasn't focused on where she was going. <laughs> I loved right. that. That when God kind of, in that moment, too, reminded me. He's like, that's how it is with us. Don't focus on so much on where I'm taking you. Just focus on being with me. Uh, I think maybe that's a good illustration to wrap up this idea of what we're trying to talk about. Right, and I'll even share, I'm, I'm just, it's making me think, and I'll read it real quickly, because in the book I talk about my father had Alzheimer's, mm. but despite the symptoms of this terrible disease, his true self survived. So yeah. you know, I, I say through the layers of his disease, his true self remained intact, you know, untouched by Alzheimer's. And, and the examples I give, and I remember, you know, his humor, love of music and food and listening skills shine through to the end. And what I meant by that was even though the disease, you know, he didn't realize sometimes who we were and that kind of things, hmm. things that still emerged were he loved chocolate. So whenever we gave him a chocolate muffin or a piece of chocolate, he glowed. Hmm. So his true self just enjoyed food. <laughs> yeah. And then we were sitting outside at one of the events and they were playing music and his head started moving and bobbing and he always loved music. So his true self just loved enjoying life and, and enjoying music. Hmm. So your true self, that was his true self. His true self was just hmm. enjoy life, enjoy music, enjoy, enjoy company hmm. of others. And Alzheimer's couldn't touch his true self. His true self was just, I'm going to enjoy life and, and what it has to offer me. Hmm. That's a really good story. That's a really good illustration. And it's comforting to know that our true self is also indestructible, <laughs> right? It doesn't, right? We don't lose it. We can't. And I think the, we could say the false self is consumed with its decrease or its dying or its diminishing. I don't know the good word, but the true the true self is always afraid that it's going to lose itself. But the tr- or the false self, sorry, but the true self knows it can never die. Right, right. So we're always de- we're we're defending our false self when, mm. but we don't need to defend our true self. It's there, mm. and we just need to let it shine and blossom, mm. and and let go of our false self and stop trying to defend it. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite verses, Paul writes. The outward man, though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. It's the opposite. And so we could also say an indication of which self we're more invested in It has to do with do we feel like we're perishing day by day or do we feel like we're being renewed, made new more and more every day? And that's also a good, a good way to know which self we're more in. Right. If you if you'll allow me a minute, I, I yeah, because people may be saying, well, how do you know you're operating from your true self? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a valid question, and I can quickly share for me my true self barometer. And I don't know if I've ever showed shared that or mm-hmm. not. Um, but so, so before I go into my centering prayer sips, I, I have a, have affirmations that these are things that are important to me that I want to do with the family or with friends or with my career or, or with my health or mental health or physical health. I kind of read them then let them go to God, do my centering prayer sits. 
so I like to think of it as I'm partnering with God on what, what should I be doing? Is this my true self? And then my barometer of whether they remain true self, I'll call true self affirmations, is, you know, one, if I still have an inner peace and calmness about them, if, as long as they still excite me, then they might make me nervous because they're outside of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, do I still have an inner peace about them and calmness about them? Do they still excite me? Am I operating from my true self? So in case people ask, well, how do you know you're operating from your true self? That's that has worked for me and it, and it may be helpful for others or maybe others have their own true self barometer and I wouldn't love to hear what they do. <laughs> but I wanted to quickly share that. So thanks. Yeah, no, that's fine. I think that's a good wrap up. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. It's I've grown through our conversations and reading your book. Um, I definitely would recommend it and I would recommend every Saturday, one thirty to two thirty being a part of your group. And one one of these days I'm actually gonna jump on with you guys. <laughs> sure, sure. One to two. And I, I that's okay. One to two, oh, one to two okay. time on gotcha. on Saturdays and I share it with my subscribers and then I just put it out on my uh, Facebook and Instagram just for people to see in case something they want to attend. Well, it's been enjoyable, Richard. Real quick, tell people where they can find you and your the, all all that you do. Sure, they can find me at silenceteaches.com. If you subscribe to my website, you'll get a you'll get my free centering prayer ebook. And then on the site, they can peruse. They can if they want to learn more about my book. My book is on the site. If they want to learn more about it, my coaching, I have a coaching page. If they have a group and they would like me to come speak to that group, I have an invite me to teach page. And then I have a resource page if if they're just Mm -hmm. looking for either other websites or other books or other online courses to further explore. I have a lot. I have that information on a resource page. So just pop over to silenceteaches.com and see um, what what interests you. And my website is www.moderncontemplative.com, or you can Google J. Randall Ori and get all my stuff. Hey, thanks, Richard. It's been good. Um, we're over halfway now. Isn't that cool? Wow. You're, you're right. You're right. No, that, <laughs> that's neat. It, and it's neat that you're doing this. I, I appreciate that you're doing this. I've, I've gone on podcasts, and it's once and done, but this is kind of the deeper dive. So I think it's it's yeah. been neat for me to do, so I appreciate you doing this. Well, I've enjoyed it as well. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. and paying attention and until next time god bless